Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. I'm so honored to be a part of the kickoff of this series for Orlando. Please don't miss uh, the next two weeks. If, if I don't do a good job today, please come back, okay? Um, so it's gonna be a great, powerful series. I wanna talk about what is Fort Orlando all about? Um, is this a marketing gimmick? Is this a marketing slogan? I wanna unpack what this is because we're gonna look at two foundational verses from the scriptures today that whenever you see Fort Orlando, whether it's a sign, a t-shirt, you're doing something in the community, I want you to understand where this came from in the scriptures and why this is so important to really the movement of what Jesus is doing in this community. To get us started though, I wanna share with you a question that my dad gave me many, many years ago. My dad had a doctorate in theology and he is, he's my hero, as I mentioned, and he passed away nine years ago and his impact still is, is huge in my life today. And he gave me this question. And uh, I went to, by the way, I went to seminary for 18 years at the dinner table every night, okay? And so he would, he would teach me theology, right? And he gave me this question. And I honestly, of course, you, you might not be surprised at this because I'm biased, he's my dad. I think this is the greatest question I've ever heard. A lot of great questions out there, but I think this is one of the best questions I've ever heard. And it's simply this, um, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? And my dad said, son, one of the reasons I think you should carry this question around is when you're working with people and trying to move them into their relationship with Jesus, talk about their relationship with Jesus, ask them this and how they answer it will give you a perspective of where they are in their relationship with God. And so that's what I've been doing. I've carried this question around with me for a number of years. And I wanna share with you, First Orlando, the number one answer that I receive most frequently after having asked this question over and over and over again. And when I get this answer, and I get it so often, it honestly, it breaks my heart. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what God thinks about you. So I wanna unpack that today. There's a very famous theologian, A.W. Tozer, who said uh, the most important thing a person thinks about is what they think about when they think about God. That's important but I actually think this question might be a little bit better. So I wanna share with you the number one answer that I get when I ask this question over the number of years. But before I do that, I wanna illustrate it, the answer that I get with a story. My wife, Wendy and I have been married for 26 years this coming Wednesday. So we'll celebrate our 26th wedding anniversary. Thank you. We're excited about that this coming Wednesday, but um, 16 years ago when we celebrated our 10th anniversary, I mean, we made it to double figures. So I thought that's pretty cool. So let's do something fun. So we went down to this little hotel in South of Atlanta. We live in Atlanta and uh, Ritz Carlton at Reynolds Plantation. So we check in at the Ritz Carlton for a couple of days to celebrate you know, our wedding anniversary. And uh, we're room 511. So we walk up, there's 509 and there's 513, but there's no 511. But between 509 and 513 are these two huge doors with this sign that says Ritz-Carlton Presidential Suite. That ain't us, okay? So I knew that. So I look at Wendy and I said, well, this is odd. I mean, Ritz-Carlton never makes mistakes. Let's just go down and tell them that they gave us the wrong key or whatever. Now, my wife, Wendy, you have to understand, she's the fun one in the family. I'm the boring one. She's the fun one. Everybody wants to be with Wendy. So as I'm getting our backs to head back downstairs, she goes, whoa, 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 whoa. See if the key works. Oh, honey, the key's not going to work. I mean, we're not Ritz-Carlton presidential suite people. But anyway, so there's the, remember the days in the, in the hotel when you'd have like a red light and green light, right? Green light, you're worthy. Red light, you're declined, right? So I'm expecting the red light, right? So I put the key in, green light. 
I turn to my wife, Wendy, and she says, shut up. <laughs> light goes off. She goes, put the key back in, put the key, key back in. So we put the key back in. This time, green light again, and we both leap for the door handle, okay? Now, we open the door, and this is the largest hotel room I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, my memories of this moment is that there are you know, rose petals falling from the sky. I mean, it took us like 30 minutes to tour this thing around. There's a piano in this room. I don't know why there's a piano in a hotel room, but there is. It's there. It's awesome. And so we finally sit down at the couch, and now my wife, Wendy, says, all right, well, let's get our bags and tell them that they gave us the wrong key. Now, I've turned into the fun one. I'm like, whoa, 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 we're only going to be here a couple of days. By the time they figure this out, we'll already be gone, right? <laughs> right when I say that, no lie, right when I say that, there's a knock on the door. And, and you know who it is, right? It's the Ritz-Carlton. So I walk over, I look through the little hole, and it's the Ritz-Carlton Ritz Bellman, right? They figure this out. We gave the key to the wrong people, right? So I get my bags, and I do what I call the Ritz-Carlton walk of shame, right? Like, we're not worthy. We're not worthy. This is for the, the Ritz-Carlton presidential suite. It's for other people. It's certainly not for the Hendersons. We're not worthy. Now, what do I tell you the Ritz-Carlton presidential suite walk of shame story? Well, when I ask people, hey, what do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? Here's what happens. They look around to make sure no one's listening. They go, Can I be honest with you, Jeff? I'm like, no, lie to me. Yes, be honest with me. I go, I think God's disappointed in me. I mean, I'm kind of disappointed in me. And if there's a holy God, I'm sure that he's disappointed in me. And I just, I think God's just disappointed in me. What happens in that moment is when you think someone is disappointed in you, what happens is you keep your distance from people. And the reason that there are a lot of people who didn't wake up this morning, and go to church is because they think God is disappointed in them. They think the church is disappointed in them and they keep their distance from God and they keep their distance from the church. That should bother us. And whenever I hear God's disappointed in me, I want to go, let me, can I tell you what God thinks about when God thinks about you? And it's not my opinion. I point them to a conversation that Jesus had with a religious leader. Interesting story about this religious leader. He was a religious leader, but many times people can know about God, but not know God. And he was about to get some incredible information. In fact, what Jesus says, if you've got your Bibles in John chapter three, we're gonna look at what Jesus says in John chapter three reverberates to today. It's what for Orlando is all about. And in John chapter three, Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus halfway through John chapter three. And he says this little word, he begins with this little word for. I love this little word. My favorite definition of the word for is to be in favor of, to be in favor of. I, I, I tell business leaders, you need to make sure that you're clear with your team. What are you in favor of? What's your organization in favor of? We need to understand who and what we're for. And in John chapter three, Jesus begins not only with the word for, he begins with the next word for God. And in essence, what Jesus is about to unpack for us today is what God is in favor of and who God is in favor of. So when you understand and see what for Orlando, when you see the signs and the shirts, as I've mentioned, what we're in essence saying is, hey, we want to point you to what God thinks about when God thinks about you. And Jesus in John chapter three begins to unpack in a conversation with Nicodemus. Can I tell you who and what God is in favor of? And the next words, in fact, these six words, it's not even the whole verse, just these six words 
words we can't get too familiar with. <laughs> we should wake up every day and go, I can't believe this is true. I'm so glad it is true. It's so amazing. It's just mind-blowing. We can't get too familiar with what Jesus is about to say there. Because when we get too comfortable with this, oh yeah, I've heard that before. It's not that big of a deal. The warning light on the dashboard of a church begins to blink. You've gotten too accustomed to the grace of God. Here's what I hope for you. First Orlando, I hope you never recover from the grace of God. I hope you never get over it. I hope you wake up and go, I cannot believe that I can enter into the presence of a holy God and call him daddy. Anytime you and I get too comfortable with that, we take a huge step backwards. But anytime, every day we wake up and go, I cannot believe it's true. I cannot believe this is amazing, but I'm so glad it is. And I place my faith and heart. I do believe it's true. God loves me. If you let that wreck you and consistently wreck you day in and day out, God will bring a movement through your church like he already has. That's what Jesus says here. He continues these six words, for God so loved the world. Now we could just stay here for the rest of the day. In fact, in some ways we should stay here for the rest of our lives. The goal for the church, one of the goals for the church is to simply stay on message. And this is our message. Now, let me just point out a couple of words here. I love this word, little word, so. You know, Jesus could have said, for God loved the world. That's true. But I think maybe Jesus knew there's something about you and me. They go, really? I'm not so sure. So this word, so, means most certainly. So the verse could read, for God most certainly, without a doubt, loved the world. You ever doubt that God loves you? You ever doubt that? You ever doubt that God most certainly loves you? Maybe, you know, for many people, they, they think that the church, one of the reasons people stay away from church is they think the church is a museum for perfect people. Those are, that's the place where all the perfect people go. What they don't understand, but what you understand is that the church isn't a museum for perfect people. A church is a hospital for broken people. That there's only one perfect person. His name is Jesus. You know why they call Jesus a savior? It's because you and I need one. In fact, if you're here today and you go, well, Jeff, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I've got no issues. I've got no issues in my life. I'm perfect. Well, here's the deal for you. You don't have to come back next Sunday. But before you do, what I would encourage you to do, ask three people in your life that know you really well. Hey, do you think I'm perfect? <laughs> Listen to what they have to say and we'll see you next Sunday. Okay, that's, that's how this works, all right? And so... Anytime someone understands I'm a broken people saved by the grace of God, I, can't, I just can't get over that. It wrecks me day in and day out. We take a step forward to becoming the men and women God's calling us to be in the church. It takes a step forward to being the church that God has called us to be. I love this other word here, world. And that doesn't necessarily mean the planet, although God loves the planet. It was his creation, by the way, but this is a reference to you and to me, to everyone in the world. You ever wondered, how can God actually see little old me with all these, you know, multi-billion people around the planet? How, how does he even know me? I think you would agree that nothing's too big for God, but what we have to understand is nothing or no one is too small for God. God is so big, he can see everything so small. And if you, seem, if you think you're small and insignificant, you're not. Because don't forget this, you are God's idea. 
And too often, the biggest critic in your life is you. Don't criticize yourself because when you criticize yourself, you're, create, you're criticizing God's creation. The scriptures say that you are the workmanship of God. God, the way you could say this is for God so loved, insert your name here. You are God's idea. I'll give you an example of um, when I begin to see this, that as a preacher's kid, you know, I grew up with this stuff. Some of you, 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 you grew up with this. But I, I remember realizing um, 20 years ago that not everyone grew up with this. Um, you know, I, I'm a preacher's kid and uh, I promised myself I would never, ever work at a church, okay? Grew up a preacher's kid. In fact, I told God, God, I will never, ever work at a church. So I worked at a church for 17 years. And if you, um, if you get nothing out of this today, you might wanna write down, never tell God you're never going to do something. I think God pays closer attention to that. Um, I, I recently told God, God, I'm never gonna be a billionaire. So we'll see how he handles that one. So, um, <laughs> So 20 years ago, I was working in, uh, in marketing at Chick-fil-A and uh, you know, no one ever leaves Chick-fil-A. Only crazy people like me ever leave Chick-fil-A. And we were, in this, we were in a church and they did this small uh, Bible study in homes called Starting Point. Starting Point was for people that weren't believers. They were coming back to the church. They were just like, hey, I don't, I'm interested, but I don't know where to even begin. So we hosted a Starting Point small group Bible study for 10 weeks in our home. This is the very first one we'd ever did. So everybody comes in, it's about eight or nine people and we sit down. I've never met these people before. And uh, I began by saying, hey, um, just want you to know before we get started, God loves you unconditionally. God loves you unconditionally. And there's a lady right here. I just met her like 10 minutes ago. Her name's Tanya and she starts crying. Now you have to understand this about me. I'm a conflict avoider. I avoid conflict. Can I see the hands of the conflict avoiders? See, that's hard for us because this is conflict, saying I'm, I'm a conflict avoider. You know what happens, by the way? There are conflict avoiders and conflict enjoyers. You know what happens with those two people? They get married, okay? So you have to be really careful. <laughs> and that's what happened to me. So I'm a conflict avoider. I said something about God loves you unconditionally. A lady starts crying and I'm thinking, does, does, does our church fire volunteers? Am I gonna get fired for this? I'm just trying to be a volunteer. So as a conflict avoider, She's crying, so I turned my back and said, okay, tonight on page three, we're gonna open up today. We're so glad you're here, right? And so my wife, Wendy's on the other side of the room and she's looking at me, right? Have you ever noticed how you can communicate, if you're, if you're married, you can communicate with your spouse without saying a single word? So what Wendy's saying to me in this moment is, there's a lady who's crying in her living room. We just met 10 minutes ago. Can you turn around and talk to her? So, um, so I turned around and I said, Tanya, I'm so, in fact, we still had name badges, right? So I, Tanya, I'm so sorry if I offended you. That's not why we're here. And she said, oh, you didn't offend me. I just never heard that before. And I said, I'm sorry, you, you've never heard what before? She said, I didn't know that God loved me unconditionally. I knew God loved the world. I knew God loved you people because y'all are church people, but I didn't know God loved me. That was a pivotal moment that broke my heart. You see, I grew up hearing God loves you more than pass the ketchup in my house. And yet here's a lady in our living room in Atlanta in the Bible Belt who's never heard for God so loves you. I had no idea that three years later that conversation 
would begin to build so much that my wife Wendy and I would leave Chick-fil-A to help launch three churches in the Atlanta area. And then now travel around the country to great churches like yours talking about for their community. And I can't get over the fact (laughs) that there are people in my community who've never heard that. You can't get over that either. That's what For Orlando is about. It's not a marketing gimmick. It's not a marketing slogan. I'm a marketing guy, okay? Love marketing. I'm a trained marketer. That's what I do. That's not what this is. It's about the gospel of Jesus. For God so loves you. Now, you might be here today and go, well, Jeff, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know God loves me? You don't even know my story. You don't know my background. You don't know what I've done. How can you say a holy God loves me? Well, you know this, but you can see how much someone loves another person by how much they are willing to give up for them. Let me say that again. You can show or see, rather, how much someone loves another person by how much they're willing to give up for them. Let me give you an example. My wife, Wendy, we have two college students, uh, actually one college student. I got a raise last year, our daughter graduated. So we we're very excited about that. So we're down to, to one college student. But when both of these kids were in college, and by the way, this is not a great parenting move. So don't write this down. Don't write that. I got to do that as a parent. Don't do this. All right. I'm about to give you advice. If you've got college students or high school students or kids, don't write this down. But I would tell my kids, if you ever doubt how much your mother and I love you, don't forget how much money we are willing to give up and pay for your college education. Okay. So I love you. But don't lose sight of that. All right. So not a good parenting move, but it just made me feel better. Okay. So that's an example of how much I love my kids. Now that's a silly example, but what's not silly is how much your heavenly father was willing to give up to show you how much he loved you. And this is a little bit more of the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. I don't know, Jeff, you know, this thing in a few years ago, a few weeks ago, I just don't know how God could love me. Okay, here's what you have to understand. God, a perfect heavenly father sent his son for you. He was willing to give up his son for you. And you can see how much someone loves another person by how much they are willing to give up for you. Do you know what God was willing to give up for you? His son to the cross who paid for your sins and mine. That's how dearly Loved. That's how so loved you are. This is only half the verse, folks. Let me show you the whole thing. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now, here's, what I, here's my hunch. Most of the people in this room, you've already memorized this verse. You already know this verse. In fact, when you saw that we were going today, maybe, and I totally understand this, like, really, John three sixteen? That's what we're gonna talk about today? I mean, I got up. I already know this. I memorized this when I was eight years old. Oh, John three sixteen. I could, I could preach this sermon, Jeff. I mean, really, we gotta talk about this? Anytime a church gets too familiar with this, as I mentioned earlier, the warning lights on the dashboard should be blinking. This is our message. This is the message of Jesus. And the problem happens in church world 
Don't forget, I've been in church world all my life. I went to church nine months before I was born. I've been around this stuff all my life. Churches get in trouble when they drift off of this message. We've been given the greatest message the world has ever and will ever hear. Here's our challenge. It's good news and bad news. We just got to stay on message. We got to stay on. I'm not saying there aren't other messages and things we got to talk about. I'm not saying all that, but I'm saying we can't drift from this. We can't get too familiar with this. We can't recover from this personally and collectively. Now, there's a problem here. There's a problem that this verse is trying to solve. There's a lot of problems this verse is trying to solve. Uh, One of my business mentors um, said this. He said, a problem well-defined is half solved. He would say that over and over and over again. A problem well-defined is half solved. Don't, Don't forget this. So what is the problem that for Orlando is trying to solve? When you see the shirts and the signs and all the stuff that you're doing, I want you to not only understand John 3, 16, I want you to understand the problem that it is trying to solve and why we have to stay on message. And the problem is this, is that many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. Now, are there things that we're against? Absolutely. But when it comes to perception out there, many people are more familiar with what the church is against rather than what the church is for. This is a problem because we have the greatest message the world has ever heard. And yet for many people, this is their perception of the church. This is, this, we've, we have a huge opportunity here. Now, let me try something. I may get this wrong, okay? And if I get it wrong, you can email me and say you got it wrong. My email is davidyouth at firstorlando.com, okay? <laughs> so hang with me, all right? Because I might get this wrong. I'm, out, I'm venturing out a little bit, okay? So hang with me. Um, I know the church isn't a brand. I know the church isn't a business. I understand that. I get all that. But if you will allow me, I'm a, I'm a trained marketer. That's what I've done. I'm a trained brand strategist. If you'll allow me to take my brand strategist hat and put it on just for a second, and I'll take it off in just a second, I would tell you that the church at large has a brand issue. It has a perception issue. And the perception is that the church is against me, which means God's against me. So I'm going to keep my distance from all of that. And yet the whole time there's this message for God so loved the world. And what Thor Orlando is designed to do is to say, whoa, 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 time out. God loves you. And let me show you how much he loves you by introducing you to Jesus. For Orlando is about making a difference more than it is about making a point. And when a church is brokenhearted over the fact that there are Tanyas in our community that don't know Jesus, they do what you just saw. I mean, that story with Carrie was so powerful. I don't even know why I'm up here. I should just say, let's close in prayer. I mean, I mean that was so powerful. I mean, this is, this is who you're serving and what you're serving, what you're doing. This is powerful. Carrie is one of many, many shorts, which is why you can't miss the next couple of Sundays. As you get to participate in story after story in this community. And in essence, what you're saying is what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 10. Um, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
means when you call in the name of Jesus and confess your sins and place your faith in him as the Messiah, as the Son of God, and, and allow him to come into your life, you are saved. You, you get the credentials to come in to the presidential suite of mercy, love, and forgiveness. Let me give you a quick example. Um, Danny mentioned I used to work for the Braves. I'm still kind of really sad from yesterday. But years ago when the Braves, they first went into the World Series uh, back in 1991, I worked in their promotions department. And um, Major League Baseball had one rule with the playoffs and the World Series. As it were, part of my role was to create these hospitality tents for Major League sponsors and all this kind of stuff before the game, pre and post game ceremonies. And the Major League Baseball said, hey, you have one rule. And that is if you don't have a credential, you don't get into the Major League Baseball pre and post game World Series parties. You got that? Yeah, I thought that was pretty simple. So the first home game of the 91 World Series, the Atlanta Braves versus the Minnesota Twins, we open up these parties two hours before the first pitch. I get a call on the radio from one of the guys that says, hey, we have someone that's trying to get into the party. They don't have a credential. To which I said, well, you know, Major League Baseball's rule, if you don't have a credential, you don't get into the party. And they said, yeah, we know that, but this man's name is Teddy Turner. Now, if you don't know who Teddy Turner is, Teddy Turner is the son of Ted Turner, who owned at the time the Hawks, the Braves, and CNN, all right? So they said, Jeff, we need you to come over here and deal with Teddy Turner. So I come over and I, I walk up to Teddy Turner and I said, hey, Teddy, I'm so sorry. My name's Jeff, but Major League Baseball said, if you don't have a credential, I can't let you in. He was so gracious. He was so kind. It was awesome. And he goes, that's okay. I'll just stand over here. It's no problem. He was so kind. Well, just a few minutes after this, guess who walks up? his dad. It's Ted Turner, Jane Fonda, and their whole entourage, right? And so Ted walks up, he looks at Teddy, and he goes, Teddy, what are you doing? Get over here. And so Teddy walks up, let's just go. And he goes, well, I don't have my credential, and they, they, they won't let me in. So there's Teddy Turner, Ted Turner, Jane Fonda, and me. <laughs> and at this moment, I'm thinking, well, maybe this is when I need to go into the ministry, right, right here, right? Because <laughs> I'm the one that won't allow them to, to go into the party, right? So I'll never forget this. Ted puts his arm around his son. He said, that's okay. Let me be your credential to get into the party. And he walks into the party. And hey, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I'm not dumb either. I'm like, that's a great credential. Hel Welcome to the party. Welcome to the party. What do I tell you that? For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus is saying, hey, I got great news. My father is throwing the grace. If you've ever been to a great party, that's cool. We throw great parties in heaven better than you've ever can even imagine. The problem is to get into the party, party, you have to be holy. That's your credential. So would you allow me to put my arm around you to be your credential to get you into the party? Because I'd love to do that for you. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, who allows Jesus to be their credential, heaven says, welcome to the party. He's the perfect credential. They're neighbors of yours who've also been invited and yet they don't have their credential of Jesus. That's why you're here. Right. Now, John 3.16 gets a lot of publicity as it should. But you know what else doesn't get a lot of 
publicity? John 3, 17. In fact, if, I'm not going to do this, so please come talk to me afterwards. But if I were to quiz you and say, hey, can you quote John 3, 16? I bet most of you would do like this. If I'd say, can you quote John 3, 17? That's where it gets a little awkward and quiet, okay? But John 3, 17 is just as important. In fact, let me just show you John 3, 17. It's, it's awesome. I don't know why people don't wear t-shirts with this on it like they do John 3, 16. But John 3, 17 says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And please don't miss this. What we're talking about is that when we accept the unconditional grace and love of God, it begins to grow us up. It begins to chisel out things. It begins to grow us, add things. It begins to grow us into the men and women God has called us to be. That's why I tell people, hey, be careful. The unconditional love and grace of Jesus might flat mess you up. It's been known to turn former chicken salesmen into preachers. Okay, you have to be really careful with this, okay? That's why. I love what Dr. Henry Cloud said. This isn't like a hall pass, accept God's love and do whatever you want to. No, what we're saying is this. For people to grow, they must discover that God is for them, not against them. You know this. When someone is for you, but they have things that you can, they, they, they offer some criticisms and some critiques and some coaching. I mean, there are people in my life who can sit me down and they can say some of the hardest things that I need to hear, but I'll hear it because I know they're for me and I can accept it. That's why when Jesus came to the planet the first time, this is what he did. He didn't come to condemn, he came to save. He didn't come to withdraw, he came to help. He didn't come in judgment, he came offering grace. This is the story of not only Jesus, this is the story of his church. And yet, for far too many people, what they've experienced is condemnation. What they've experienced is people withdrawing from them. What they have experienced is a spirit of judgment. It's why I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And don't miss this, First Orlando. You don't know this, and it's, good, it's probably good you don't know this. There are so many churches watching what you're doing that they're taking note of what you're doing. So don't mess up. Yeah. Just kidding. You're an inspiration to other churches and other communities. Let me give you an example real quick. I mean, yeah, you're gonna do the next couple Sundays, don't miss the next couple Sundays. But at lunch today, you're hosting a business luncheon for business leaders. And this isn't like, what does God say about work? This is purely about how to grow a business. And what's interesting to me, what you're doing, I don't know why this is, but the business world and the church world, they don't really talk amongst, talk that much. I don't know why that is. I don't think there's any animosity. They just don't talk that much. But what's needed, if you, if you show me a thriving community, I'll, I'll share, there's a lot of things that you look at, but you've got to have thriving schools. You have to have thriving nonprofits. I believe you have to have thriving churches. And I, have, I think you have to have thriving businesses. If you have a community where the businesses are in decline, the community will soon follow. So what you're doing today is to share with business leaders, hey, we are for you. And one of the ways we're for you is we're throwing a luncheon to help your business grow because we think one of the best things that we can do for our community is to help business leaders grow. And this is so important what you're doing because many times churches will say full-time ministry is what we do at the church. Give you an example. When I, I left Chick-fil-A to go help launch churches, people said, Jeff, what was your decision to go into full-time ministry? And I'd always back up and go, hey, I appreciate the question. I understand the question. 
But with all due respect, that question is theologically flawed. I already was in full-time ministry, and that's not because I was working at Christian Chicken that's closed on Sundays. I was already in there because if you're a believer in Jesus, if you go to a business tomorrow, congratulations, you're in full-time ministry. If you're a teacher and you go to a school tomorrow, congratulations, you're in full-time ministry. If you are a manager and you're managing tomorrow, congratulations, you're in full-time ministry. Go show people how much you are for them and ultimately point them to a God that is for them. Which takes me back to where we began today, which is this question. What do you think God thinks about when God thinks about you? What do you think God thinks about? God thinks about you. And in the con, yes, God's for a lot of things. God's for his glory, absolutely. But what Jesus is teaching Nicodemus here is if you wanna know how much God, what God thinks about you, look at what, how much God loves you for God so loved and loves you. And for God so loved and loves your neighbors, your coworkers, and the people that you do life with. And when a church never recovers from this, God does miraculous things that you're about to see over the next couple of weeks. So there it was at the Ritz-Carlton presidential suite about to get kicked out. I've already done the Ritz-Carlton presidential walk of shame, right? I look through the door, a little hole there, there's the bellman, so I open the door and there is the Ritz-Carlton bellman, but he's standing there with a, a tray of chocolate-covered strawberries. I love chocolate-covered strawberries because I can tell people I'm eating healthy, I'm eating fruit nowadays, people, I'm eating healthy, right? And so he's standing there with a chocolate, tray of chocolate-covered strawberries. He says, Mr. Henderson? I said, yes, sir. He goes, these are for you. And I'll take the tray and he said, is there anything else you need? And I'm like, no, I, I think I'm good. But if I need something, you're my man. I'm gonna call you, okay? I back away, the door closes. I turn to my wife, Wendy, and she says, again, shut up. What is happening? This is the greatest day of our life, right? So I put the tray down, there's a note there. This is Jeff and Wendy. So I open the note and when I read the note, all of this suddenly makes sense. It's from a mentor of mine. I'd had lunch with him two weeks ago. We're catching up. He goes, hey, how are you and Wendy doing? I said, we're doing well. You know, we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. He goes, oh, what you doing? We're going to go down to the Rich Carlton Reynolds Plantation. He just took note of that. So I opened the note. It's from Woody, my mentor, one of my mentors. He said, dear Jeff and Wendy, surprise, <laughs> you've been upgraded. Happy anniversary. Love, Woody. First Orlando, I came from Atlanta last night to tell you some great news for you. Surprise, you've been upgraded. Because of Jesus, you've been upgraded. You've been upgraded from death to life. You've been upgraded from separated from God to getting the credential of God in Jesus who puts his arm around you and says, hey, hey, I'll be your credential come on into the party. It's going to be the greatest party you've ever seen. But what we want to do is to tell your community and mine, not only is God for me, and not only is God for you, in your case, God is for Orlando. And if you ever doubt that, just look at John 3.16 and John 3.17. That's how much God loves 
you. So don't ever, don't ever recover from this. Don't ever get too familiar to this and continue to live it out. Because when you do, you change a community. And when you change a community, you begin to change the world. Amen. That's what this is. So Father, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your grace to me. Thank you for your grace to my brothers and sisters here. Thank you for David and for the team. Thank you for Danny and the whole team here. And I just pray blessings over what they do. Pray for the next couple of weeks. Thank you for Carrie and her story and for how this church is serving that nonprofit to serve that restaurant. So needed, so important. And ultimately today, it's all about you. It's all from you. It's all through you. It's all by you. It's for your glory. So thank you for, as the scriptures say, stooping low in humility to reach out to us broken people and lifting us up and let us do the same in our neighborhoods, in our ballparks, in our restaurants, in our businesses. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.